Hello guys, welcome to the Kyokushin Project Podcast. Um, I'm Shian Tyson and on today's episode I'm going to talk about uh, being selected for the 1991 World Tournament in Japan. Uh, this was the last uh, tournament that uh, was held with uh, Sosoyama uh, still alive, so it's, uh, it's a very, very, very special tournament. Obviously my impressions of the World Tournament started really early in 1983. Remember when I first started training at Bondi Junction Dojo. In the middle of class there was reports that were coming back via phone calls with regards to how the Australian team were going at the World Tournament. And even though i just started Kyokushin, I didn't know much about the World Tournament at all. I knew that you know something really, really special was going on, having Australian fighters in this World Tournament. So my first impressions were exciting. Um, something that everyone sort of hung, hung on. Everyone was listening to everything that was coming back, how the fighters were going, what round they'd made it through. So it, it, this is 1983, so the early part of my training, I, I got to understand really early that competing in the World Tournament was something very, very special. That was the, my first impressions of the World Tournament. So if we start uh, back in uh, 1991, in the early part of 1991, I had uh, Hanshi John Taylor working in my corner when I was at a kickboxing event in Sydney. I was actually an amateur fighter fighting on the undercard to Alex Tui, who was fighting for Australia's uh, first World Pro Middleweight uh, kickboxing title which he won by knockout in, I think, round seven or eight, I think. Uh, anyway, uh, I worked, fought the five rounds that night against a fighter named Glenn Baragri, very, very tough guy. Um, he actually beat me that night, and I was pretty disappointed with myself. But I remember being out back in the change room, having a bit of a talk to Hanshi Taylor after the fight, and he said that um, I've been selected for the World Tournament in, uh, to go to Japan. This is the fifth World Tournament, so um, I was absolutely wrapped, um, you know, just to fight at the Australian level was something that I was really proud of myself but to actually be selected for a world tournament in Japan is very 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 exciting and special to any Kyokushin fighter you know any person does Kyokushin fighting at a high level and tournaments are a big part of their life um, they would be excited too to be selected for uh, this championship so anyway um, being selected for the fifth world tournament um, I knew that I was probably one of the lightest fighters that ever been selected because at that time I was kickboxing around 68 69 kilos so I knew that over the next six months I'd have to uh, bulk up and put some weight on um, so I set my training routine and I trained uh, six or seven days a week and I did a lot of weight training in that time and I bulked up to about 78 kilos uh, before I left uh, to Japan so anyway, I packed my bags, traveled to Japan, trained really hard preparing for this day. Um, there's a lot of people who supported me in my preparation uh, for this tournament, particularly uh, a good friend of mine from Bondi Junction Dojo, Keith Bosler. He was a senpai at the time, and he used to push me hard in everything that we did. So I traveled to Japan uh, with the rest of the Australian team, um, and it was really interesting for me because it was the first time I'd actually been to Japan, heard a lot about the place and read a lot about the place, and you know we'd only actually seen fighters... Uh, compete at this level uh, actually on uh, video uh, back in the day it was VHS and just to get your hands on a VHS tape back in the day of these top fighters was really really difficult so when I had the opportunity to view some of the fighters in the world previous world tournaments uh, in Japan um, it, it really really inspired me to train hard and do really really well so I traveled to Japan uh, in 1991 and it was uh, it, it was in winter so it was really 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 cold um, 
I remember actually getting off the plane uh, in Tokyo and there were some other fighters who had come from another country and and I don't know how it worked out, but I sort of realised that some of these guys were actually starving so they hadn't eaten for a while. So I went out of my way to go to one of the shops in Japan, like a 7-Eleven here in Australia, and I actually got some stuff there and bought it out and gave them a good feed and they were really, really pleased for that. So that was something that sort of stuck in my mind. I felt sorry for them to travel all that way from their country. I don't know where they were from. I think it was a South American country, but they're very, very pleased that I did that. And I'm really pleased as well, because the last thing you want to do is land in another country and, and be hungry and maybe not have enough money to sort of feed yourself. So anyway, off we went to the Olympic Village. Uh, the Olympic village, village is where they held um, the Olympics um, in, in Tokyo many, many years before, many decades before, actually. It was an old rundown place. It wasn't five star by any manner of the means. Um, and then we got up in the morning, we actually, for breakfast, they gave us uh, a cold rice with a, with a cracked uh, uh, raw egg on top of this cold rice and some vegetables. So I wasn't really, really impressed with that. So I made sure I went out of my way to sort of, um, you know, find the places that I could sort of find some food and refuel myself because um, I wasn't really, really used to eating that sort of food. So anyway, we arrived at the motel where they had the uh, weigh-in, and I remember standing in this long hall with about 200 fighters of all shapes and sizes, um, big and small and heavy and light, and, and I remember looking down this hallway thinking, oh my God, here I am in the world tournament weigh-in, getting ready to um, jump on the scales and get myself ready for the tournament, which was held the next day. Um, then they called my name, and I walked up the hallway, and uh, walked in and jumped on the scales and I was 78 kilos right on the buttons. I was really, really pleased with that because that was quite heavy for me because in my kickboxing and Muay Thai fighting, most of the weights that I fought at was between 66 and 69 kilos. So to be 78 kilo fighter, I felt really, really strong. Um, I did it over a good period of time, about six months. So my technique stayed with me. I still had my good speed and still had good timing. So that was, that was really, really pleasing. Um, anyway, I'm standing in the hallway and they're calling all the fighters and I'm just looking around at the different fighters that were actually waiting in the hallway with, with me and it was, it was amazing. And I looked in one corner, there's Michael Thompson, you know, there's Yamaki, there's Filio, there's DeCosta, there's Kurosawa, there's Masui, there's Masuda, there's Midori, there's Andy Hug. And here I am sitting right in the middle of these guys thinking, oh my God, these are the same guys that I watched over the previous six months and all the videotapes that I was able to get my hands on. And here I am standing in the same room as these guys getting ready to go in the same tournament as them. So that was a, a very, very exciting time. Scary, but exciting. Um, it didn't put me off. I was um, motivated just to be in the same company as these guys. And I was very, very lucky over the, over the week that I was in Japan to be able to sit down and have a bit of a conversation with nearly all of them. So that was really, really pleasing to me. In my first fight, uh, I fought an opponent from Fiji who outweighed me by, by a couple of kilos. And um, it was a good, hard, tough fight. But about two minutes into the fight, I caught him with a strong uh, right Jordan Morshigeri, which knocked him clean out. And I'm pleased to say that in the first day of the world tournament, mine was the very, very first Ippon that was actually given for a knockout. So that's something that I'll, I'll, I'll uh, memories that I'll hold with me for the rest of my life, which are really, really pleasing particularly when I came off the floor too and seeing how pleased the Australian team was with regards to um, scoring a, a really, really good knockout. So that was good. Um, my second fight, it was against an opponent from, um, not too sure, South America somewhere. And he was, he was a really, really tough guy. He probably weighed about the same as I did. 
And I remember about 30 seconds into the fight, as we're hammering into each other, he suddenly slammed his own chest and did that, come on, come on, to me. And I don't know what it was, I just saw red, and I've just sort of hooked up and just actually hammered low kicks into his legs non-stop until I got a nip on for those low kicks as well. So that was really, really pleasing for me. So I had one fight on the first day, and then one fight on the second day, because the World Tournament back then was held over three days. Uh, and then going into day three, uh, I made the final 64 fighters who are competing in the World Tournament. So I'm really, really proud of that. And so was Hanshi and the Australian team because I, I've done really, really well up until that day. But in day three, I actually fought De Silva from uh, Brazil and took him to an extension. Um, it was a tough fight. He was a very, very technical fighter. Um, but it's one of those fights where when I sit back now, I just sort of kick myself. I, I didn't put my foot down to the accelerator and just actually hooked in. Um, not that he overawed me in any way, but I didn't really, really push the action. And I should have, because I felt if I, if I had pushed the action, I could have beaten this guy. And it would have allowed me to go on to the next round, which would have been uh, the chance for me to actually fight one of the Japanese fighters who were in the team. So that was really, really pleasing. And just to be in the same companies these guys and to watch these guys fighting standing 50 feet away from the side of the fighting arena was was awe inspiring you know i was standing right next to the side of the arena when uh, filio knocked out undy hog um, that was that was a scary moment but it was one that everyone knows about particularly those that uh, understand uh, the um, the kyokushin tournament and the level of fighters that were fighting on the day and I got to see Midori do his thing, which was absolutely fascinating because, as everyone knows, Midori only weighs about 72 kilos. And uh, he's technically perfection, beautiful technique, really, really strong, uh, plenty of drive, and can take a tremendous amount of impact, which is uh, really, really good to see, particularly from lighter fighters because being a lighter fighter myself, it inspired me to train hard. Even after I left the World Tournament and went back to Australia, I always remember watching memories of Midori competing in the tournament and actually watching him fight, and that was absolutely fascinating. And with Midori winning the tournament too, it just sort of goes to show that you don't have to be six foot six and 110 kilos to be the, the world champion. Even the lightest fighters who are gifted and who are very talented and, and are motivated to do well can do well. So that was absolutely brilliant. So to be in the world tournament in 1991 was probably my most memorable tournament that I can ever remember because of the company that I was in and being uh, Sosai Ayama's last tournament. Actually, after my first fight, when I knocked out um, the fighter from uh, Fiji, and then I turned around and sat in Cesar, then I looked up and there was this huge big screen and on that screen in slow motion was me uh, doing this more shigeri and knocking them out and it was really, really pleasing to see. And then I turned around to the side and, and I just happened to lock eyes with Sosoyama and uh, Sosoy gave me the nod like he does. And that was a very, very, very proud moment for me because I just knew for that split second and in time, uh, uh, Sosoyama actually knew who Mark Tyson was. So that was really, really pleasing for me because I hold it in fond memories in my heart and it was something that will stay with me forever. Uh, after the tournament was over, we were uh, ushered, all the different fighters and officials were ushered into the big hall that stood next to the Budokan in uh, Tokyo and there was all these uh, sports bags, a couple of hundred sports bags that were spread out all over the floor and each bag had a name tag on it. So I went around the room and actually found my name tag and here it was and Sosai had given us um, these gifts 
First it was a sports bag, he gave us a Kyokushin cup, a Kyokushin fan, uh, uh, a big Kyokushin signed book, uh, What is Karate, um, and a couple of other bits and pieces which I still have to this day. I have a big uh, Kyokushin Karate towel that I have uh, hanging on my wall at home, um, which was given to me by Sosai. So I'm very, very pleased that um, I was a part of the Australian team to compete in uh, the World Tournament in 1991. And then when the tournament was completed, we had the uh, Sayonara Party, which is uh, was held in the top of the Tokyo, um, the big, uh, big, I can't even remember what it was, the big tower that they have in Tokyo, and we were at the top. And as I walked in, they had uh, different names that were placed on the, on the seating arrangement. So I went over there and sat down at the table, and I was wondering who actually was going to turn up and sit around me, and... Just lo and behold, who sat next to me was Andy Hug. So for three hours, I actually got to sit next to Andy Hug and have a conversation with him and listen to him talking to a lot of the other top fighters, which is really pleasing. Actually, by the way, Andy Hug, when they handed out the meals, and one of the meals was actually um, a lobster, Andy Hug wasn't a real seafood fan, so he turned around and said to me and asked me, did I want it? Uh, so uh, if anyone ever says to me, do I know Andy Hug? I says, yeah, it's the last time I saw Andy. I was sitting there having dinner with him in Tokyo, and he gave me his lobster. So that's a, a good story to tell. Um, so I brought back these wonderful memories of being uh, in the World Tournament in 1991. And when I arrived back to Australia, uh, and, uh, and uh, my plane landed at the airport in Tamworth, Tamworth being a rural area, uh, I jumped out of the plane and sort of was walking on the tarmac back to the uh, to the airport and I looked and saw hundreds of people inside the airport and I thought to myself, oh, I wonder who these people are waiting for. There must be someone really important on the plane. And lo and behold, when I opened the doors and walked into the airport, there was this huge cheer that went up and little did I know my wife had organised with... Um, with family and friends and associates and the news and the radio and all the people who had supported me in Tamworth to actually be at the airport on my arrival back. So wonderful memories. You know, people can go their whole lifetime wishing they'd be able to compete at a tournament at world level and compete in front of Sosayama. But I'm one of the few people that can actually say that I've actually done that. Um, and from there, I went on to win um, national championships and um it was a wonderful thing to have the experiences that I had in Japan. Um, it's just something that you can't sort of get anywhere else. And the friends that I'd made and the conversations that I'd had, talking to Midori about his uh, weight training and talking to Michael Thompson about his footwork, because Michael Thompson was actually one of the fighters in the mid to late 80s that inspired me with regards to his footwork and his timing and the way he set techniques up and had a good conversation to, to, with Michael. Had a really good conversation too with uh, Adami da Costa, um, a South American, American Brazilian a Xi'an now, and one of the, the great pillars of Kyokushin, uh, particularly back in the day. So as you can see, the fighters that I got to meet and be associated with were the pillars of Kyokushin who set the standards with regards to a full contact competition. And I'll never ever forget uh, having the opportunity to have conversations with these guys and actually uh, um, be in the same group as them, which was absolutely fantastic. Um, and since I've competed and come back from uh, from Japan, I've competed also in the... Um, uh, um, um, Singapore Open Championships, which was actually a, a wonderful tournament as well. 
Um, I scored one of the first knockouts by Cheryl Moshigiri there as well. And after that, we had the big Sayonara party with the Australian team mixing with the Japanese team because the Japanese team came to our hotel and they asked the officials if the Japanese team could party with the Australians. And I think it was the first time it's ever been done and I don't think it'll ever be done again where you're sitting in a room and you're looking around the room there and there's, you know, there's Kancho Matsui and there's, uh, there's, there's Kancho, there's, uh, uh, Kenji Midori and we're sitting there and we're drinking and we're laughing and we're singing and we're enjoying ourselves um, so it was an absolutely magnificent experience so I'd say for all Kyokushin fighters if they can if they get the opportunity to um, travel overseas they should take it with both hands because um, you know these opportunities don't come around that much and if you get the chance to compete at a world tournament or, or international tournament overseas particularly being a young Kyokushin fighter you should always take it with both hands because those opportunities won't come around very very often um, so with that uh, I thought I'd put a podcast out about my experiences uh, competing in the world tournament and the people that I met and some of the experiences that I had and um, they are wonderful experiences in my heart and I'll remember them for the rest of my life um, and I've passed on a lot of the things that I've learnt from these people and the experiences that I had to my own students and hopefully they'll be able to take, uh, take things further and fight in the world tournament sometimes themselves down the road. I'm very lucky that I had two students who were able to compete in the 96 and 95 uh, All Japan Championships and placed in the top eight and in the top four, being John Halford and Michael Macy, um, two great Australian fighters who represented our country really, really well and made everybody very, very proud. And uh, they also competed in kickboxing and Muay Thai as well, with John winning uh, uh, three world titles and Michael becoming the South Pacific and multiple Australian kickboxing champion. Um, so with that, um, I thought I'd get a podcast together and, and share my experiences and what it's like to compete in Japan, particularly in front of Sosai. Um, because like I said before, these opportunities don't come around that often. And when they do come around, you've got to grab them with both hands and do everything you can to do your absolute best. Because, uh, you know, we're not getting any younger. And somewhere down the road, uh, you know, with regards to all fighters, you'll get to a stage of your fighting career where you can no longer compete for whatever reasons, family reasons, uh, reasons of injuries, etc., or circumstances that don't allow you to compete at a high level. And I'm very, very pleased that I'm able to um, pass uh, the experiences on to my own students and those that are interested in listening, um, and hopefully it'll contribute to their own training. So thank you very much, guys, for looking for listening to this podcast. Um, I hope you enjoyed it, um, and I hope to have another podcast out really, really soon. So. Until then, train hard. Awesome.